my God, which was good upon me, as also the king's words that he had spoken unto me. And they said, Let us rise up and build. So they strengthened their hands for this good work. But these men came along, and they began to laugh at him. And uh, I look in there, and there are many times in the scriptures when forging ahead for the Lord, the situation might look bleak according to man's eyes, but God has a plan. And uh, I look here at this, and I see that man's standards and God's standards are not always the same. And God has a work that he wants to accomplish, and he wants to use mankind to get it done. And when I look at this and you see this, the work would not be accomplished without the hand of God on it. And I want you to understand, sometimes we can get things done, but without the hand of God, we're not really doing much. We need God's hand in everything that we're doing. And so I think this is the type of leader that Nehemiah was. The men and the women of the Bible had oftentimes, you know, they'd face ridicule. And you look, you can go as far back as you want. Anybody that was doing anything for God at some point ran into trouble. How many of you know, know that to be true? Everywhere you look in the scriptures, if someone was setting out to do something for God, trouble entered in because the devil's not going to sit by idle and let it happen. And then also there are just the world in the flesh wants to stop progress when it comes to the things of God. And so they would face ridicule. But the thing that I find is if you go into Hebrews chapter 11, a lot of those folks, they just found their strength in the Lord. And you look even at Moses, and do you think Moses had it easy? Some people would think, man, it'd be nice to have a congregation that big. <laughs> I'm not sure I'd want a congregation that big. And, uh, but he had a lot of people, but he had a lot of problems too. And when you look at this, too many situations, tasks, or battles will cause them to cower. And what happens to us sometimes is we'll just back off because we just don't want to face uh, the obstacles that are in front of us. We don't want to overcome. We would rather just sit on the sidelines. But the Lord is looking for, I believe, God-dependent people. He's looking for us to be God-dependent, not self-dependent, not independent in the sense of we're an independent Baptist church, not independent in that sense, but he doesn't want us to be independent. He wants us to be God-dependent. God-dependency means that we're praying and asking God what he would have us to do. Now, I want to tell you something. Over the last couple of weeks, I'm just baffled at what the Lord's done, especially in the area of our offerings. And God allowed us to give 11000 to Brother Knickerbocker. Uh, then someone gave almost 30000 to the church. And then this past Sunday, someone gave another $8,000 to the church. So I'm just sharing with you, things are happening behind the scenes. So God's doing something. He's giving us funds to do something. And so I just want you to be aware that God's at work even when we're not in our own minds, right? <laughs> God's doing something. And so he wants us to complete his will. And you think about those faithful men and women. You go to Hebrews and you just get a list of them. But look, and when you really consider the story of each of those individuals, what do you see? Turmoil and trouble, don't you? Every one of those that... And by faith, they did these things. And when it says by faith, go back and look at their story. If you think of Rahab, did she have it easy or was it tough? That was a tough situation for her, wasn't it? You look, but by faith, she did what she did, didn't she? And you go in and, and you see all the names that are listed in there. And we remember names like Moses. And we remember names uh, uh, like uh, uh, Joshua. And we remember, remember the big names. But go look at the list sometime. And just look at some of the names that are just listed there and how by faith they went in and did these things. Now, as I share this with you, if we want to see Calvary prosper again, I think it's going to come through God-dependent people. We just have to get on our knees and really give ourselves over to the Lord and ask God, Lord, what is it that you would have us to do? 
and ask God, listen, he's doing something already. I can tell something's happening. And we may not be able to see it. And I want you to tell you, there's a spiritual battle going on all the time. All the time. There's a spiritual battle going on because the devil does not want this church to prosper. But I want to tell you, if this church is in God's hands, the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Amen. And I want you to know there's a purpose for Calvary Chapel. There is a people out here that need Christ. And I'm starting to see little sparks all over the place starting to happen now. And what I'm telling you is, is let's stay faithful in our prayers. Let's stay faithful in our Bible reading. Let's stay faithful in our attendance. Let's start praying about the meetings that are coming up. What does God want us to do as a church body? Well, we know he wants us to lead people to Christ. Amen? Does he not? He definitely wants us to win the lost. And so that's not hard for us. We know that needs to be done. Does he want us inviting people to church? Sure he does. Let's start inviting folks to church. But listen, we got a missions conference coming up. What does God want us to do with our missions? Think about all the things that God's doing and let him have his way with you. And I look at this and I think about this. God-dependent people, those are people that are willing to put their hands to the work that God has put before them? Am I willing to put my hands to the work that God's put before us? And so, uh, you know, soul winning, that's, that's God dependent, isn't it? How, how uncomfortable you do you get knocking on an on a unknown person's door and you're about to share the what? gospel with them, the good news. And it is good news, right? I mean, they'd be excited if it was a publisher's clearinghouse standing at their doorway, right? And, uh, you know, I almost tried to pull that stunt. I thought, no, that's a bad idea. So just, you know, tell them about Jesus. Amen. But the thing of it is, is that we're going to a stranger's door. And what are we trying to give them? The good news. So let us not be ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Let us do our part, and let's be a people that are God-dependent, reaching out to this lost community. And, and I'm telling you, folks, I really believe with all of my heart, there, there, is, there is a lot of religion in Minster. Amen? There just is. But let's win a few families and watch what God can do. You start winning those families to the Lord, and you'd be shocked at what God can do. Uh, Brian, who came on Sunday, he's coming up next to be the chief of police here in Minster. God brought him to our church, didn't he? So what are we going to do about it now? Or he's going to say, well, he came one Sunday. No, we're going to start praying. Amen. How many of you are going to really pray for the family and start asking God to do something? Listen, God is building a work, and he wants us to put our hands to the plow. Amen? So look at what the building blocks are that he's giving us. He's starting to bring people, but we have to invest in them. We have to give them some of our time. We have to get out of our comfort zone. We have to do things sometimes that are inconvenient for us, right? So we have to do these things. And why? Because we're helping with the building of what work God has put before us, not our own ideas. And so we're going to build based on what he's bringing us. Now, the work will not be completed without other sneering and sometimes contemptuous behavior. Often it can be outward. Uh, sometimes it can be inward, but it, it just happens. There's doors that I knocked on on Saturday. The people wanted no part of it. But had I just stopped and said, forget it, I don't think I would have ever met Joan. If I had just stopped the second or third door and said, I'm done. What I'm sharing with you is you got to keep on going, don't you? And you don't know who the next door is that you're going to knock on. When Emily and I knocked on the door, I thought there's this elderly woman. She's going to be upset. I just woke her up. Something just happened. She's going to be mad. How many of you think that stuff when you do that? Like you can see him coming to the door and you're thinking, oh, good night, man. Here we go. And I'm just waiting. I'm standing there. And she said, hello. <laughs> Hi. You know, <laughs> and you're like shocked. But what can God do? 
when, when I give these areas out, I'm saying, listen, Saturday, we're going to go up to St. Mary's. We're going to start hanging some flyers on the doors. Ah, we're just hanging flyers. No, start praying. Who do we know who we're going to run into or who we're going to talk to on Saturday? And you say, well, I can't go. That's okay. You can pray. Amen. Even if you can't walk down the street, you can at least pray for us while we're going. And, and so what I'm sharing with you is all of us collectively have a part in this. And so let's do our part. Now, I believe the Lord who's willing to help us prosper. And here's the question that I have for you. Are you willing to submit your heart to God so that he will prosper us spiritually? And you say, what are you talking about, Pastor? I'm talking about praying. I'm talking about being in the word. I'm talking about thinking about people and praying about people specifically. And then when you know I'm going to make visits or my wife and I are going or you all are going, listen, let us know. We can pray collectively because the power of God is amazing, is it not? I mean, if he can just buy a man a van. By the way, Brother Knickerbocker got his van. He sent me a text. He goes, hey, I got my van. <laughs> and so here's the thing. If he can do that in one Sunday over a comment... What is God capable of? Amen. What is God capable of? Now, that's a monetary thing. And I know, you know, sometimes even as Christians, we get excited because it's monetary. But I'm talking about spiritual stuff. I'm talking about souls being saved. If God can give us 10 grand or 30 grand or 8 grand, can he help us win souls to him? Yes, he can. And he has a work that he wants us to build. Do you think it was easy for Nehemiah to walk into this situation? Then not only did he walk into a tough situation, he's got to rebuild a wall. He needed a king to give him stuff. <laughs> he needed a people that would be willing. And then he had an enemy that was trying to block it. Well, listen, that still happens today. And it happens even in a church just like this. And so here's the challenge to us. And that is, are you willing to submit your heart so that God will help prosper us spiritually? I think the Lord's willing to help us prosper. But each of us must be willing to submit. And submit to what? Well, submit to the God of heaven. Because that's exactly who Nehemiah said right here in this verse. He says, then answered I them and said unto them, the God of heaven will prosper us. Hey, listen, the same God he's talking about. The same one that helped him in this book right here, the same one that helped get that wall done is the same God we're serving tonight. Amen? We are. He's the same God. The same God who helped him get that wall done is the same God who planted this church 47 years ago. Amen? So what are we going to do now? We can sit back and say, well, or we're going to let ridicule stop us, or we're going to let religion stop us, or are we going to let uh, just outside entities tell us we can't accomplish it? What are we going to let stop us, or are we going to be overcomers and say, you know what? God has a work for us to do, and we need to put our hands to the plow. We need to put our hands to the work because we serve the God of heaven. And this God, this God of heaven, is the one who prospers us. We don't prosper ourselves. He prospers us. Amen? And so we need to turn to him. So I want to challenge you with this. Sometimes there's outside ridicule. And when the enemy saw the progress that was being made, they, uh, they brought uh, this place to a place of trying to discourage them. Look at these fellows. Uh, Sambalad, Hornite, uh, Tobiah the servant, uh, um, and the Ammonite, uh, and Geshem the Arabian heard it. Look what they did. They laughed us to what? Scorn. They begin to laugh at him. So what you see here is the initial attacks came in uh, from outside. This ridicule. These men wanted to find a way to stop the work before it got started. Yeah. Sometimes when I when I go into an area, I'll stop myself before I get started. I'm thinking, well, there's no way these people, no one on the street's going to get saved. So why why are you doing it, Robert? What are you doing? 
Just pray and ask God to help you. And, and if I'm going to stop myself, then I might as well not even go down the street. But when I go down the street and someone says, we don't want you on this street. We don't want you here. Is that going to make you leave? You Baptists, all you ever do is hand out all this stuff. Is that going to stop us? And they look at us and say, you know what? You're just wasting your time. This whole area, by the way, this happened to me. This whole area, this whole street's Catholic. I said, well, praise the Lord. I said, so y'all are all going to church together? And, and I don't want to be unkind, but I just want to know what's happening. Can Catholics get saved? Miss Kathy? Hmm? People get saved today. So what are we going to do about it? Are we going to just say, well, the whole area is Catholic, so there's no sense? Why did God put this church here? Why did he put this church in Minster? Because there's a lot of Catholics here who need to get saved. <laughs> Amen? Let us not stop. Let us not give up. Even if we receive some ridicule, if someone says something negative to you, go on to the next door and just keep moving. Here's the thing. The, the plan of God is always going to be attacked by the enemy. The plan of God is always going to be attacked by the enemy. The plan of God is always going to be attacked by the enemy. Who's the enemy, Pastor? I don't know. I know Satan's involved. Amen. I know the flesh can get involved. I know that people that don't like what we're doing can get involved. And all kinds of things can come our way. Watch what happens here. Here's what happens. He said, <clears throat> they laughed us to scorn and despised us and said, what is this thing that you do? Will you rebel against the king? Will you come down this street when you know all these people are Catholic? Yes, I will. And here's the thing. When they mocked the work, they laughed us to scorn. They spoke words that they wanted to deride the project. What do you think the devil wants to do when we're out on Saturdays handing out flyers and tracts? What's he want to do? He wants to deride the project, doesn't he? He wants you to get discouraged. He wants you to think this is useless. He wants you to think you're wasting your time. And I want to tell you something, you're not. Because God promised in his word, his word will not return void. And so even if somebody is negative about it, we're still planting a seed, putting a block in that wall that's going to help get it built, aren't we? And what is it that we're after? We're after the winning of the soul. God will add to the church daily such you should be saved. Amen? God is the one that told us if we plant and we water, God giveth the what? Increase. That's our responsibility. So let's go plant and water. Does that mean that it's easy? Is it always easy to go out there and plant and water that corn? Is that the easiest thing in the world to do all the time? It's not. It's difficult work, isn't it? And so somebody has to do that or we're never going to have a harvest, are we? So we have to plant and we have to water and God giveth the increase. They hate the people of the work. They despised us to show contempt and disrespect toward the people. Have you been out knocking on doors and been disrespected when you've been out? Or, or that they, they say something negative to you? Yes. Pastor's telling you the truth. I knock on doors. I know what they do at times. And the fact is, is, is that going to stop us? Did it stop Nehemiah or did he say, hey, listen, I said unto them, the God of heaven will prosper us. Will he not? God will take care of this. We just need to do our part. And then they get the people to doubt the work. They said this, what is this thing that you do? What is this thing that you do here? What is this wasted cause you're out here involved in? What are you doing? Handing tickets out for God? What is wrong with you people? And the thing of it is, is that we are handing tickets out for God. Amen. 
And it has the good news. It has the gospel. And we can receive ridicule for what we're doing. And by the way, folks, it's not just in our town that that kind of stuff happens. All you can do is watch the news today. Christianity in and of itself is under attack. And the thing of it is, is that we can't give up. We have to keep forging ahead. We have to keep moving forward. Here, these folks said, what is this thing that you do? What's this wasted cause you're over here doing, Nehemiah? Why, why are you wasting your time and these people's time? What are you doing? And then the accusations start. What is the accusation? Well, what did they say? Will you rebel against the king? Isn't that what they're after now? Well, we're going to bring accusations against them now. We're going to say something very negative about them. And so they bring this false accusation. Are you trying to start a revolt? What are you doing? Why are you folks against the other religions around here? I'm not against them. I just want them to know the truth. Amen? I'm not against them. I just want them to know the truth. You say, well, they know the truth. If they knew the truth, then they wouldn't believe that their good works will take them to heaven. If they knew the truth they would trust in Jesus Christ and him alone to take their soul to heaven when they die. Amen? If they know the truth, they wouldn't baptize infants. They would baptize people who have made a profession of faith. If they knew the truth, are you with me? They would not be worshiping a, a man who's still hanging on the cross because the last time I looked, the tomb's empty. And so what we have to do is still stand our ground. I'm not angry at him. I'm not upset at him. But I want you to know, when the ridicule comes our way, I know we're right. I'm sorry, we're right. Why do I know that we're right? Because the Bible says so. He said, sanctify them through thy word. Thy word is truth. And there are things that are taught in other religions that are just not truth. They're not. And so we need to stick to the truth. I don't have to be angry. I don't have to be mad. All I have to do is preach the truth. And that is even in the midst of the ridicule. And so I challenge you tonight. This is all was really an attack against the Lord and against his work. Hey, listen, if I can get you to think wrong, if I can get you to think differently, if I can get you to think uh, a, a different way about truth, that's the devil's work, isn't it? What did he do the day in the Garden of Eden? Hath God really said? I just want to divert you just enough so you just don't know the absolute truth. And by the way, folks, you know as well as I do, there's not a single solitary prayer that's going to keep you out of hell after someone dies. It has to happen now. They have to trust Jesus Christ. They make a personal decision to trust Jesus Christ as their Savior. Hey, listen, we can stand firm on that. We don't have to be mad about it. We just need to stand firm on it. It's truth, isn't it? They cannot get saved after they die. There is no purgatory in the Bible. It doesn't exist. And what we see in the scriptures is there is death and hell. And hell will be cast into a lake of fire. That's what we see in the scriptures. And so a man is either saved or unsaved. A woman is either saved or they're unsaved. And there's no speaking in some sort of uh, wild tongue that's going to take somebody to heaven. We don't have to believe those things. We just need to preach the truth and believe the truth. Ridicule. Well... The devil's a master of trying to discourage and destroy God's people. I believe that with all my heart. And, and you know, I heard something today. And, uh, uh, you know, if we would just all hold hands, <laughs> if we would all just get together and hold hands, everything would be okay. An ecumenical movement, right? 
that we all just get together and we all hold hands. Well, I want to tell you something. Pastor Warnick stands on the scriptures. I stand on the truth of the word of God. And there are some things that, yes, I might go to another man's uh, place and preach because I have an opportunity to preach the gospel. But there's a lot of things I would never bring to this pulpit because they're not preaching the truth. And the thing of it is, is that they just want us all to hold hands, that everything would be just fine if we just all hold hands. And I want you to know you can't hold hands whenever we're unequally yoked. Are you with me? I won't even go into business with someone who is unequally yoked. I don't want to partner with someone that's unsaved. I want to partner with people that are saved. And I teach my children the same thing. I don't want people that are unequally yoked in our, in our household. I don't want my children marrying unsaved people. Because all that does is bring trouble into their life. It brings trouble into the home. It brings trouble into the house. The devil's the master trying to discourage and destroy God's people in the work of the Lord. We are to be reminded that our battle is not against one another, though. Sometimes we can get into a battle with one another. And the battle is taking place at all times. And the Bible says in Ephesians 6, 11 through 13, Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take you the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. What is it that we're doing? We're taking the whole armor of God. Listen, we need this book. And we need to know it. We need to know it in here, and we need to know it in here, and we need to be able to put it up as our shield at the time of need, right? We need to be able to stand. When the devil is attacking, we need to be able to stand. And by the way, I'm telling you, we, we think not, but Christianity is on the brink of being really attacked. And you watch, by the time November rolls around, it's going to be a wake-up call for even this church and how much we're going to be attacked as Christians, and you're going to see it start to happen. It's going to start coming out of Washington, D.C., and it's going to blow a gasket for all of us. And we're going to think, how could that possibly be? We live in America. You can't do that. And the fact is, is this is whenever you'll find out where you stand with Christ. <laughs> and there's things coming our way, folks, that you're not prepared for. And, and it's happening slowly, and they're infiltrating slowly, and they're bringing things slowly. And the thing of it is, is all of a sudden it's going to rear its ugly head, and you're going to find out one day that they're really going to want to do away with this again. And they want to do away with it for a long time. And you, you think, well, just removing the monuments, they want to erase our history. Part of our history is, is that it was founded on this book. Amen? And so if I can do away with some of our history, guess what else I can do away with? Because a lot of those monuments and a lot of those statues and a lot of those things that are out there, they have this on it. And if we can just do away with those things, we can erase our history. We can erase God out of the minds of the people. And you think you're ridiculed now. Door knocking's easy compared to what it may be in about five years. And what it may be in about just three years. <laughs> and I'm sharing with you that there is a spiritual battle, one that we can't even see. And Satan will try to use people inside and outside the work to cause chaos and create doubt and discouragement among God's people. And what we have to do is not get discouraged. Nehemiah could have gotten discouraged that night, couldn't he? Yeah, you know what? That Ammonite over there, that Horonite, that Arabian, they're, they're right. We might as well quit. There's no sense in doing this anymore. And we just stop. I want to tell you, what has discouraged you? Look at me, folks. What has discouraged you 
from witnessing? What has stopped you lately from sharing the gospel with someone? And the thing of it is, is that if we don't do it, God planted his church here for a reason, didn't he? He planted us here. What's stopping you from sharing the gospel with someone else? What's going to hinder you? This is where we got to understand that we are all on the same team and we're on team Christ and we need to work toward that end goal. And we need to lift him up and we need to glorify him. We need to glorify his word. We need to speak of him. We need to sing about him. We need to talk about him. We need to tell people about him. And when the ridicule comes, just keep moving on. And our primary goal is to fulfill the Great Commission. I want to share this thought with you and I'll stop here tonight. I'll bring the rest of this next week. In Matthew 28, 19 and 20, how many of you know those verses? You say, Pastor, I know those verses. (laughs) In Matthew 28, 19 and 20, the Bible says, go ye. You ought to underline that in your Bible. Who's the ye in there? (laughs) It's us, isn't it? Go ye. And then he says, teach. Now, what's interesting is, is the first time he says teach, it has an evangelistic aspect to it, and it's to, to help others become disciples. So when he says teach the first time, he says teach all nations. So we have a responsibility, and so we're doing it through missions, but we also have a personal responsibility here as Calvary Chapel to reach our Jerusalem, don't we? We, we have a responsibility to reach our Samaria uh, and the uttermost parts of the world. We have that responsibility. But the fact is, this first one is to teach all nations. Now, here's what they're teaching them. One, that who Christ is, so you're giving them the gospel, and then you're baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. And then there's another word there again. It comes up again. It's teaching. The first time he says teach... He's saying, help them to become disciples. They can't become disciples unless they're saved. (laughs) They must know Jesus Christ. The second time he uses the word teaching, he's saying now. The discipleship starts, the instruction starts now. That second time he says, teaching them to observe all things. And he's saying, give them the information in a manner that would help them understand it better. And so he says, teach, he's saying, win the lost and then disciple them. That's what he's telling us. The Great Commission is not just something we preach during a missions conference. The Great Commission has been given to Calvary Chapel Baptist Church in Minster, Ohio, and that is our primary goal. And that is to do what? To teach, to go and evangelize, to bring them in, and then to teach them to understand these things. There are people out here that have religion and don't have Christ, and they need to understand the difference between the two. Are you with me? They have religion, but they don't really have Jesus Christ. They know about him. Hey, listen, on Sunday morning, when we partook of communion, the reason pastor said the things that he said is because there are people that are sitting in this room that morning that really believe that that's the actual body and blood of Jesus Christ. They believe in something called transubstantiation. They believe that when they're partaking of the Lord's Supper, that they themselves are receiving Jesus Christ. (laughs) That's false. That's a lie. That is not in the scriptures. That is not what communion teaches. And so the reason I share those things, and God's been using that in the lives of some of the people that have been coming to church. And what I'm sharing with you is, he said, go ye therefore, that's teach, that's what we did on Saturday, 
On Sunday, we bring them in. And if you're in a Sunday school class, you have a responsibility to teach them so that it brings understanding to them about what the scriptures are. And even in my preaching, I tried to teach because there are people that aren't coming to Sunday school. They aren't showing up for Sunday school. And so they need to know what the Bible says. And we have to do multiple things, even in a service such as that, to really teach them to understand the scriptures. Teach them to observe what? All things whatsoever I've commanded you. What has he commanded us? He commanded us, one, we must be saved, did he not? And he commanded us that we need to be baptized. And then he commanded us that we need to be witnesses. And so what is he telling us that we need to do now? The same and likewise. And I am with you always. See, there's the comfort, isn't it? How often is he with us? <laughs> always. He's always with us. Even unto the end of the world, he said, I'll be with you. So is he with us when we go to St. Mary's on Saturday? Is he with us? And what I'm saying is, is let's just go do what we know is right. Even if ridicule comes, even if somebody says something unkind, hey, what did the disciples do when, when they got beaten? They went off with joy, didn't they? Go read Acts chapter 5. I mean, I'm thinking, man, if I just got beat, they were rejoicing because they got beat for his name's sake. When's the last time you got beaten for the name of Jesus? Somebody might have said something to you or cursed at you, but man, when's the last time you got beaten as a result of you were telling someone about Jesus Christ? Hadn't happened, has it? So on Saturday when we go out, and I mean, hey, listen, let's go ahead and start putting the tracks on the door. And if you run into somebody, don't say, well, we're just canvassing today. Can't talk to you about Jesus. <laughs> go ahead and talk to them. But I believe God wants us to go into an area. But God is the one that's going to build the work. I'm going to stop there because I want us to get into prayer time tonight.